are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Happy Easter. Come on, happy Easter. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are in the season of Easter. It's not just one day. Easter Day was two weeks ago, but we have seven weeks of Easter because I think it takes time for this good news of resurrection to make sense and to sink in and to even just begin to transform us and help us accept God's forgiveness and, and mercy and new life, the new abundant life that we're offered. You've heard the first half of our scripture reading for today, about the first two-thirds maybe of the, the reading, The Road to Emmaus, about a couple of disciples who are also trying to figure out what this resurrection business is all about. One traveler is named Cleopas, and this is the only time that Cleopas appears in the Bible. We don't know a lot about Cleopas, just what's here. There is someone in John's gospel named Clopas, and some people think they're the same, but most biblical scholars think they're probably different people. We really just don't know. We don't know a lot about this Cleopas person. And the fellow traveler of Cleopas, we know even less. We don't even know this person's name. Some people have speculated that it's another disciple or maybe a friend or neighbor of Cleopas, maybe even a family member, maybe Cleopas's spouse. We just don't know. Some people think that this sort of anonymity of the second person in the story is intentional to invite those of us who are reading and listening to the story to invite us into the story that we might become that second person and put ourselves in the story as it were. So while there's a lot we don't know, what we do know is that two people went on a walk and some very interesting things happened. The story continues. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to them on the road, and how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. What a fascinating story. These two disciples go for a walk. They encounter a stranger. 
They have a very extensive Bible study, apparently, spontaneous Bible study on the road, and then they invite the stranger over for dinner. And then we hear words that might be familiar to those of us who have had communion once or twice, how Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, that it's Jesus, the resurrected one, the one who had been killed, right? Well, in a spirit of holy curiosity and putting ourselves into the story or even just speculating a little bit about the biblical narrative, let's play the what-if game. What if things had played out a little bit differently? What if these two people, Cleopas and Companion, had really heard what the Roman Empire and the religious authorities had done to Jesus, the way they exercised their power and crucified him in a public and brutal way, and they were afraid. They were terrorized. That was the intent of crucifixion, to terrorize the population. What if they were so afraid they didn't want to go anywhere? They stayed home. What if their terror, their sadness, their anger, their fear took root in their own lives? And they became angry, bitter, hostile with one another. That that mood of terror infused their own relationship. And they didn't want to talk to each other anymore. And so while they used to go for walks together, they didn't go for walks anymore. Or what if Cleopas said to his companion, hey, let's go for a walk. And the companion said, uh, there's this really good show on Netflix, and uh, you know, I just play with my phone. The couch is comfy. I, you know, cup of coffee. I don't want to go anywhere. Or, what if there was a massive pandemic two thousand years ago that lasted for two or three years, and people had to stay away from one another, and so they stayed home all the time, and they never went out anywhere. They never did anything with other people, and they forgot what it was like to be with other people. Well, for whatever reason, if these two people hadn't gone on that walk that day, then we wouldn't have this wonderful resurrection story. They would have missed their encounter with Jesus, but fortunately they did. They went on a walk, and they went together. On a very basic level, among the multitude of ways of looking at this long biblical narrative, it tells me that it's a good thing to go outside and it's a good thing to do things with other people. They went on a walk together. That seems especially true right now in our time, culture, this historical moment in which we find ourselves. The last three years have been horrible with covid the isolation with all the political chaos, with all the economic chaos, the job situation, racial tensions and hostilities. It's a very hard time right now. Our collective mental health is not good, right? We need each other as much as we ever have, and ironically, we're as separated from one another, we're as distant from one another as we've ever been. We stay home a lot and watch Netflix and stay on our phones and sit on the couch and stay away from other people. Sometimes for good reason. 
there's some irony in that we need each other more than ever, but we're, we're isolated from each other. Our, our social muscles have atrophied. Our church muscles have atrophied. Our, our, our muscles that know that we need each other have, have atrophied. I've heard from some members of this church who speak honestly, and they just say, you know, we've just kind of got out of the habit of doing things with people, including going to church. And some people say, it's just easier to stay at home. And I get that. I get that. I like my house. I like Netflix. I like my phone. <laughs> I like a cup of coffee. But the thing is, there's something about being human, and there's something specific about being a Christian and about the vows that we just made that calls us, when we can, to take a step forward and to make the effort to go on a journey with other people, to be with other people, including, not exclusively, but that means coming to church too. Sometimes people say, oh, I don't feel like going to church today, or I don't, I don't need church today. And you're like, well, maybe church needs you. You know, when you come to church, sometimes your very presence here is a blessing to somebody else, and you probably don't even realize it. You look at somebody and you pass the peace, they might be going through a horrible time in life. And your handshake, you're looking them in the eye and saying, peace be with you. That might mean the world to them. You're saying, hey, let's go have a donut or two. That might mean the world to them. Just your presence, your, your wonderful singing voice or your good effort at trying to sing well, whatever it is, those things might be a blessing to other people. We need each other. It's hard to be a human in isolation, and I would say it's impossible to be a Christian in isolation. We're called together as God's people. And the Bible reminds us of this over and over again. In Mark's gospel, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Jesus proclaims this new kingdom of God, this new reality, and then he calls people to turn around, to repent, to change direction, and to follow. And he calls people together into this. The scripture tells us, as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fish, fishermen. <clears throat> and Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. Then he called two more people and more people after that. And those people became the church. The apostle Paul wrote to a lot of church communities, including one in the little town of Galatia, the community of Galatia, in which he kind of summarized the gospel as this communal effort to take care of one another. And he said, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Fulfill what it means to be a Christian by taking care of one another. What a great concept. We need to find ways to do that when we're isolated from one another. And then Paul wrote a long letter to the church at Corinth, and one of the images he used is that the church is like a human body. You know, we've got a human body, we've got kidneys and legs and heads and eyes and hands and feet and all these different parts work together for the common good, Paul said the church is kind of like that. One body with many different parts working together for the common good. And according to the message version of the scripture, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part, every part, dependent on every other part. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Great images from Scripture for us. To help us reconnect as a body after this challenging time of COVID, our church is trying to do a variety of things just to 
friendly ways to, to bring people together. Um, you heard about the spiritual stroll at the beginning of worship. Every fourth Sunday of the month, two o'clock, we pick a different park or location and just go for a walk. What a great Emmaus-like thing to do. We've got another one today, two o'clock. Bring your galoshes because it's wet out there. On the first Wednesdays of every month, we're doing potluck lunches back here in Bradfield Hall. Just bring a little something to share. Let the you know, last couple of times we've done it, we've had more than enough food, so you can probably come and not bring any food. That's okay. Um, and we, we, you know, the last time we did it, a couple of weeks ago, I had two different conversations with people that I hadn't seen face-to-face -face for over three years. It was wonderful. Reconnecting. And then, as you heard already, We've got the beach theme celebration, the festivity, trying to come back together and have a big party, a beach party. I don't know if we're going to, um, you know, there have been a lot of discussions about how to, how to have a beach party at a church, um, you know, depending on what we wear. Um, I was thinking maybe we should get like five tons of sand for the sanctuary, but <laughs> nobody else thought that was a good idea, so I guess we're not going to do that, but, you know, we'll just imagine there's some, some sand here. We'll go from there, but... You know, we're trying to find ways to ease back together and reconnect and discover that joy of being together again. Because we're called to be on this journey together. So we're trying to do together what we can to reconnect with one another. And some of the opportunity is with individuals as well. And that's where we all come into play. We all try to, try to connect with one another wherever and however we can. Um, being intentional about that. And that can happen in a variety of places, even at a funeral, we can reconnect with people. A couple weeks ago, we had a big memorial service for a well-loved member of this church. And at the reception afterwards, a lot of people enjoying food and fellowship together. I chatted with several people. One of them, Kara Caven, she's here this morning. She told me it was okay to share this story. Um, about a year and a half, two years ago, Kara's husband and son both died within a close period of one another. So I asked her, as I asked several other people, like, is it, is it hard for you to go to a funeral? Because you're still carrying that grief. And she acknowledged that, it, that it's hard. The grief is still there. Anybody who's in grief knows that it doesn't just disappear like that. She said it was hard. But then she said something like, but I, I wanted to be here because so many people were, have been and continue to be kind and supportive for me on, on the journey of, of grief. And then her eyes kind of sparkled, and she said, and today something, something neat happened. I was waiting in line for the food. A lot of people waiting in line started chatting with the person behind me who she didn't know. And they're, they're chatting away, and then someone comes up to Kara and said something like, I'm sorry about your husband and your son. And this other person said, oh, you, you lost a child? And Kara said, yes. And this other person said, so did I. <laughs> and so on a whole new level of conversation and connection opened up for the two of them. And I got to believe there's just so many more ways that we can connect with one another and support one another if we just make the effort to reach out, talk with one another, and, and find ways to be together with each other. Sometimes we feel like we're alone, so maybe today, if nothing else, it's a reminder that we're not alone, that we have each other. This is where your index card comes into play. Everyone, when you came into the sanctuary, Hopefully, got an index card. If you didn't, they're in the back there, and I see 
Betsy's back there. If you, if you don't have an India card, raise your hand, and Betsy and, and Gary will be happy enough to provide you for one. Your index card is for your eyes only. Nobody else is going to see it. What I'd like you to do on your index card is to write the numbers 1, 2, and 3 on it, and then think about three people and write those names down. There's a pen in the, um, in the friendship pad. You can use that, or maybe somebody in your pew has a pen, or you could take your phone out, start a new note on your phone, and do it there if you want, whatever you like. Um, Three people, three people on your phone, one of them being a neighbor, a friend, maybe somebody from your school if you're a student, or somebody from where you work. Just whatever name pops into your head, somebody. Second person, maybe somebody from church, somebody who you're in a small group with, somebody who you haven't seen for a while, somebody who sits in your pew, maybe somebody who's here today. And then third, somebody in your family, a relative, a son, a grandparent, a spouse, a partner, whatever those people might be. And then your assignment for your eyes only is to take this card home and let it be your prayer card this week. And my humble request is that you pray for these three people this week. Now, often if I say, please say a prayer, people are like, I don't know how to pray. Well, I'm going to guess that all of you could say, dear God, thank you for, insert name here, right? That's a prayer. You got it. Or, dear God, I pray for blank. Or, dear God, please bless blank. It doesn't have to be poetic, theologically deep, full of big words. It can be if you want. But just to lift up these three people to God this week, I would encourage you to do that. And then, if you want bonus points, not that I'm going to keep score or anything, but you could put a four on your card and just leave that blank for the stranger that you're no doubt going to interact with this week, the person that you're going to rub elbows with and maybe have a conversation with, just like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus met a stranger who turned out to be Jesus. They invited him over for dinner, and great things happened. Now, in our world today, this is my disclaimer part of the sermon, I would not necessarily suggest that you meet a stranger and invite them to your home for dinner. We live in a different age and time. But you meet somebody, you can at least be open to some conversation, right? So, depending on how you are doing on life's journey at this point, maybe you need to look at this list and contact somebody on the list and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time right now. I'm struggling a little bit. Um, can we talk? Maybe there's some people here who might need to do that with one of the three people on your, on your card. Or, if you're at a different point in life, maybe there's somebody whose name you've already written down and they're having a challenging time in life. Maybe they're having a challenging time and they don't, you don't even know about it. So maybe just reaching out to them, you might be the one that they could lean on for some support and encouragement. Could go, could go either way. So in the spirit of the Emmaus story, you could ask one of these three people, and hey, let's get together for a meal, or let's have a cup of coffee, or let, you want to come over to my house? Or you could contact one of them and just say, hey, let's go for a walk. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you 
Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you for the good news of Easter. Thank you for the resurrection of Jesus, for the promise of new and abundant and eternal life, for forgiveness and new hope and second chances. We thank you that you promised to be with us on the journey of life, the journey of faith, the ups and downs. Give us wisdom and grace and courage to share this journey with each other, to help each other along the way and to allow ourselves to be helped along the way. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.